Hello, it's Harry Brook here, Ag Fieldman for Flagstaff County. And today we're talking to Shelley Barkley, who is an insect technologist with Albert Agriculture, Food and Economic, Rural Economic Development, AFRED. No, it's not. Sorry, it's not it? food. It's forestry. Oh, forestry. Dang. I sorry about that. <laughs> anyway, she's probably better known to you as the queen of the insect survey. <laughs> anyway. Today we're going to talk about surveying for insects, their value, and which ones we do here in the count in the uh, province. You're listening to the official podcast of Flagstaff County. So, Shelley, could you tell me a little bit about the, the different surveys that, that we do at the moment? Wow. Well, um, the program that I represent is responsible for seven surveys in the province. And so the first two we'll talk about are, are ones that we put out pheromones and traps for and um, do insect counts from the traps. So first one is diamondback moth. And mm -hmm. that one is just, we want to know when they come to spend the summer in, in Alberta from they don't Mexico, live here California. Round. No, they don't live here year round. We're still a little too harsh for them. So they fly in on those big winds in the spring from the south. Okay. And so we put up these little traps and we have about 40 different cooperators across the province, all the way from Warner, all the way up to uh, Fort Vermilion. And okay. they go out once a week and count the little moths that might be stuck to their traps. And of course, we're putting these out before canola is up, before just almost mm -hmm. before stinkweed is showing any color. They go up sort of the first part of, of uh, May mm -hmm. and they're up for six weeks. And so these dedicated volunteers go out and count the moths and then um, can input their numbers into a, a web-based app that you can use your phone yeah. and right from the field edge. And then the great thing about it is that the, through the magic of computers and Google Maps, the information that you put in right now in 10 minutes will be visible for people across the world to see, but for especially for our producers okay. in the province. So real time. Um, yeah, it's real time. And so this doesn't give you any predictive value for diamondback moth in your field it just basically lets us know that they're here and okay. how big in numbers they have arrived now apparently diamondback moth can cause an issue in baby canola did you ever run across that in your career harry no never. diamondback moths um i think uh, scott mears told me once in his 35 year career they had uh diamondback moth eating baby canola as it eating canola seedlings and um anyways or would it be like the two leaf it might have been the two leaf but wow. you know that early stuff coming through the ground but, but that has happened once in his 35 years so our biggest concern of course is diamondback moth on potting on feeding on the pods later on in in the summer like august right harry mm -hmm. isn't it yeah. august yeah. yeah and so there's a long time from May until we're worried about them in August. And a lot of things can happen to a diamondback moss population in that time. Mm -hmm. We could have cool weather. We could, they could, 
they're a favorite of ground beetles, like ground beetles love to eat them. And oh, so just because we get a big flight in May doesn't mean in August that we're going to have to be spraying our canola, but you still have to watch your canola just oh, to yeah. know what's going on out there. You don't need any um, unpleasant surprises, do you? No. Right. And what is it? The, uh, the best input you could put in your crop is your shadow. Um, I like that. Yeah. Anyways, so that's diamondback moth and, and we run that for six weeks. So from the first of, of May until about mid June, and then those traps come down and then I have about 125 cooperators across the province who do birth to army worm traps. I was wondering though, if you could tell me when was the last time we had significant acreage treated due to diamondback? Because the one I remember way back when was in about 2005. I oh. think there was significant acres that were having to be sprayed, but we've never had a big area sprayed since then, have we? Yeah, we had an yeah. outbreak in, in 2016 or 17. Um, and I can't remember which one for sure, but it was that Vulcan area south to oh, Lethbridge. Okay. Yeah. We had had some serious heat and mm -hmm. they were going through their life cycle in like 21 days, which they can wow. do. And compounding the problem, and it's always a problem that I have seen, is when we get heat and we get those insects that love the heat that, are, that makes them successful, the crops mm -hmm. are usually kind of crappy. Stressed, and so yeah. now, yeah, and so now you have to make decisions of do I spray and control it and protect whatever yield I have there, or do I just go to the lake? Mm -hmm. And and so that year there was some, I, I remember because we, we were riding around doing some scouting for some other stuff. And there was, Scott was on his phone all the time talking to agronomers, agronomists in that area, uh, making, you know, helping them make the decision of mm -hmm. whether to, they'd have to pull a trigger or not. Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't happen often, but it, it can happen. And, you know, the best thing to do is be out scouting your fields at the right times, yeah. right? Um, it might be predictive to be out sweeping your canola at early flower mm -hmm. and paying attention to the number of diamondback moth larvae that are in the sweep net. If there's a lot there, then you know that, yeah, now I need to kind of be paying attention in, in three weeks, yeah, right? For the and next see, go around, yeah. Yeah, see if that next life cycle is causing problems in my potted canola. So, yeah, uh, again, nothing can replace you being in the field and, and no. seeing your plants. Yeah. So the next one you were saying would be Bertha's. Yeah, we have Bertha. about good old Bertha. We have a network of about 125 cooperators. And this is made up of farmers, people from Nutrien and Richardson. And it's made up of some of my favorite people in the world, Egg Fieldman. And who else helps me out? Private agronomists, mm -hmm. lots of private agronomists. And, and so basically we put up a bucket, a green bucket trap in the field or two, depending where you live. And um, again, the cooperators go out and they dump their bucket onto the 
the tailgate of their truck and they count the number of moths and again report it on the online map and it, the same thing happens within within 10 minutes you can see your counts showing up on the uh, on the map on um, the Alberta insect webpage and it it helps us to understand when that population peaks mm -hmm. so when we should be out walking our canola mm -hmm. our faba beans or our peas because mm -hmm. Bertha will eat all of them omnivorous aren't they yes they'll they'll they've even been reported to eat potatoes and wow. yeah potato tops so i thought they were um, poisonous yeah i guess not to bertha oh, <laughs> so this is probably it's our best subscribed for for mm -hmm. farmer buy-in or for producer uh, egg interest industry, industry buy-in yeah buy-in yeah. and it's probably the one that saved farmers the most money because they and they know that they're in an outbreak situation mm -hmm. or or they need to be out in their fields and, and it takes that guesswork out that just because the neighbor is spraying for bertha um, doesn't mean maybe i should. don't I, it doesn't mean you should. It means I should be in the fields walking my yeah. fields. Well, and you know, and, that's, that happened to me once too, where a friend of mine was concerned because his neighbor, less than a mile away, had probably had 50% of his canola crop destroyed by Bertha. He, and the funny thing was they started from the middle of the field outwards. So we didn't notice until it was quite late. So my friend was very nervous and said, well, could you come out and check mine? So I checked his. I had a hard time finding Bertha's, even though it was three quarters of a mile away. It was just, it's just so area specific. Well, you know what it is. And, and you know, we think, I, maybe I'm giving insects more credit than they deserve, but mm -hmm. a female Bertha moth will seek out a place in the canola field where the canola is at the right stage okay. so that she ensures her, her progeny mm -hmm. carries the genetics on. So you can, I can, I've been in fields and I'm sure you've been in and mm -hmm. you, you walk the side of the field and you're scouting and you don't find anything. And then you walk into an oil lease road where there's maybe a little low spot and the canola is still a little yeah. flowering a little bit. Mm -hmm. But everything else is not, and they'll be there. Yeah. It, uh, right? But it requires, once again, vigilance. Yes. And, and, and visiting several places in the fields and several different topographies in the field and, mm -hmm. and stuff. But this, this network works really well. Like we were able to see the buildup when we had those bad years in mm -hmm. Midburn County and Two Hills County. We were able to watch them building and telling them, yeah, yeah, you guys, they're they're coming. Get and there. actually that was the one year we had a research project that was timed right to the insect population being mm -hmm. there. So because usually you get money to no, usually you get money to do a research project on an insect and then the insect population just like disappears. It's the best control in the world actually. Just throw money at it. Just throw money at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Find a researcher who's willing to do something and then it then there's no nothing there to study yeah. so yeah those are the two they're all based in citizen science and we you know we can generate a lot of really good information for yeah. producers from those two 
And then we start to talk about the ones where we actually do field visits. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's just start at the beginning of the season and we'll, we'll work our way through. So we do a survey for pea leaf weevil damage. Uh, for pea leaf weevil across the province. And this survey is done from the, from the U.S. border all the way up to the south side of the Peace River. And um, if I find them in the MD of Peace, then I actually go into Northern Lights and do a look there and see if they've spread that far. And basically with this one, what we do is we, I don't even walk in the fields anymore. I mm -hmm. do all my survey for this one off the side of the road, off is, the side of the ditch. Mm -hmm. Is that and, because they come in from the side? Yes. And, okay. and so you'll get your most pressure, uh, feeding pressure earliest mm -hmm. on the, on the outside edge, because right now pea leaf weevil is spending the winter in the long grass in mm -hmm. the ditch. Uh, under tree, you know, groves of, yeah, and, and under a nice blanket of snow, which works like a great duvet cover. Yeah. And so when the temperatures are right, they will actually walk, if, if it's good enough, they'll walk into the field because they've been where there's been food, like around alfalfa plants. Mm -hmm. So we look at 50 plants in the field mm -hmm. so five stops of 10 plants and we count all the feeding notches on the plants and and it's each set of nodes and that's what we record so if you're at four node you count four whatever mm -hmm. and then so we do that and in most counties we do five p fields some of the bigger counties like say vulcan county i might do i might do six or seven Mm -hmm. um, especially where peas are more prolific and they're easier to find. And, and then all that data is rolled up mm -hmm. at the end of the year or in, in August or so and sent to Saskatchewan to Ag Canada. And they do our mapping for us as part of the Prairie Pest Monitoring Network. Okay. And uh, they actually provide all our lures and trap supplies now. So that would be a good a good resource for folks to have bookmarked and yeah. you can actually sign up for their weekly updates? sort of email alerts or updates. Okay. And they, and in those, they give you insect development maps using temperature degree days okay. and all that stuff. So we know what stage say grasshoppers in uh -huh. or know what stage Bertha should be at or, or whatever. So, you know, that's a great resource for people to have so uh, to get just a weekly email, Prairie Pest, Pest Monitoring, Monitoring Network. Network. Okay. And I can send you those links. So yeah, they do all our mapping for us and they are sort of the umbrella and they make sure all three prairie provinces are doing the same protocol when we do our surveys. They are actually my some of my entomology support when I have these wacko questions that pop into my head while the I'm counting notches on peas. Okay. The yeah. only thing about pea leaf weevil, though, is it's, it's more of an after the fact because there's not a lot you can do about it once you've seen them out there causing damage. That, Exactly. So my forecast map or my population map that is going to be posted within the next, say, week on, mm -hmm. on our web page tells you that, yes, this is where the hot spots are in the province. And you use 
that information, mm-hmm. as well as the information that you've seen in your field from 2021, mm-hmm. to help you make decisions of whether you seed treat or not. Right, because that's the one thing that's insecticide. You're wasting your time and your money, and you're probably doing more harm than good. Right, because you're ki- you're killing things like ground beetles that mm-hmm. would eat the eggs of the pea leaf weevil. Yeah. Because here's the problem. You walk out in your pea field, you see some notching going mm-hmm. on, and you go, oh, my gosh, I got pea leaf weevil. I should spray. So by the time you go to town and you get the spray, you come home, fill the sprayer, mm-hmm. and get drive back out to the field, she's already started to lay eggs, right? She's already yeah. maybe laid 50 eggs. So here you go, right? So it's it's sort of, it's always, if it's bad this year, then you you do things you, you do your management tools next year. It's, this yeah. is a next year insect that you deal yeah. with. Here's the good news story about pea leaf weevil that I have learned studying, talking to researchers about pea leaf weevil. Dry conditions like we had in 2021 oh, yes. do not favor larval development in pea oh, leaf good. weevil. That is so good news. in, in, you know, the hot spots where we used to count like 30 and 35 notches on a set of leaves at mm-hmm. Bow Island, we're now counting, we're now counting two or three because they've been in this dry cycle. And, 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 and so the weevil populations have drastically gone down. And so to the case where a lot of farmers down there now are going, well, we're not going to treat mm-hmm. uh, seed tree. Now, once weather returns to sort of a more moist pattern then they may they there will be a resurgence there always Mm -hmm. is but at this point um i there's a lot of producers that i have talked to in the south that aren't seed treating Mm -hmm. again this year so that's a good news story Yeah. yeah so from pea leaf weevil we then yeah. roll into, and I should mention here that for all, for the majority of our surveys, there's one or two surveys that the applied research associations don't do. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, the applied research associations play a hand in our surveys for us. And, okay. and, uh, and I'm very grateful for their support. So Battle River is is one that we count on in in Flagstaff and Painters to do mm-hmm. a lot of the groundwork for us there. So yeah, we're uh, eternally grateful to them for that kind of work they do for us. The next one we do is early flower canola sweep survey. Mm-hmm. So this is where you walk into the canola field right from the edge. You step into the canola first row and you sweep 25 sweeps into the crop. And you sweep it. And the whole time I'm sweeping it, I go, I hate canola. So then I made sure that I get a really good uh, hard sweep through the canola. Mm-hmm. And we, it's hard, uh, then, right. it, it's hard <laughs> although I don't, I don't go into canola once it's potted because that stuff is nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll sit you on your butt really fast. So we bag this stuff. Uh, with with the legal land locations and the mm-hmm. GPS coordinates and all this information about the field. And here we sweep, uh, we do this survey from the U.S. border up to a line sort of Westlock is about mm-hmm. as far north as we go with this survey. And Westlock, 
So then we go back to the office and freeze these samples to kill everything. And then we pick through each sample and record what we find in each field. Mm -hmm. And in that we keep, there's about 10 or 12 insects that we actually keep track of. Our target is cabbage seed pod weevil. And we keep, and we're, and the reason we do that is to find out how far north the population has expanded or if it's contracted and, you know, sort of the numbers and the hotspots in the province. And it's usually it's south of highway one again, but um, I have found it as high as Brownfield. Okay, so it's gone as far as Brownfield. That's about yeah, as far and we north found as some, we found any. Actually, we found it. We have found it up around Edmonton, but okay. in the last few years, that population again has really contracted back, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't find it even as far north as Pinoka this year. So, okay. again, this is another insect that larva. Its larva is not happy in dry weather. Oh, it doesn't good. do well. So, yeah, and I should say, and I, I should backtrack a little bit. If if you have any producers who are interested in us um, evaluating their pea fields mm-hmm. for pea leaf weevil, I would welcome, I would welcome them to volunteer their fields because we just come in and we don't even take anything from the field unless it's a rock that would look good in my yard. <laughs> we we don't take anything. We just count your peas, and and I always believe that if if you're giving me your field, then you should get back the results that we see from your field. Mm-hmm. So within, within about two weeks of finishing this uh, survey, provided we don't have to roll again right into canola, we would, I would send you the results from okay. your fields. And, Good. and yeah, and then you have my contact information. So that might help you with further questions down the road. You never know. Anyways, so we finished canola. And um, we process those samples. And again, that information is all wrapped up Mm -hmm. and sent to um, Saskatoon for mapping. That the other insect data that we keep. So ligus bug populations, uh, sometimes red turnip, uh, flea beetle, all that stuff is kept in the data sheets. And should a researcher need some of this long-term data, we, we have it for them to use. So it's not like we're, you know, it's, it's, it's not like we're just going out and, and gathering stuff just for the sake of gathering stuff. There's a reason for it all. There is a reason for yeah. it. And, 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 you know, again, these sweeps are timed, right. That we could see, uh, we could see populations of diamondback moth growing Mm-hmm. in those samples right and then we could just sort of do some do some extension or talk to some people about you know geez you know we need to be watching because this could be brewing so um with the um the flea beetles oh. like they, they seem to be a problem every year at least somewhere yep. in the province and there's yes. significant acres that are sprayed uh, yes is there a way to like how do you other than recording numbers or saying, well, this area got, you know, 20% of the producer sprayed, how would you sort of find an early warning system with them? Would you use fall numbers? No, because we have winter. Exactly. Kills a lot of stuff off. Right? Yeah, you know, or and and things might not like now, we won't say that about last fall because we mm-hmm. had such a beautiful fall. 
insects were able to bulk up and get whatever they needed to make sure they were well provisioned to go into winter spring could tell us a lot too like you know we could have catastrophes weather-wise in the spring Mm -hmm. that would take up populations but i think people need to be aware and and now i'm not so much sure about flag staff because i wasn't in canola fields there but i can tell you canola fields in the south in early August had mm-hmm. huge populations of flebiums. They liked the heat, I take it. Yes, they did. They did really well. Like there was, in some fields, it was just, if you didn't like bugs, they would make, it would make you crawl, your skin crawl. And so we have a huge overwintering population because right. this, this is the generation that we saw last fall that will be the ones that are feeding on our baby canola. Right. So I have been told by some of the agronomists in, in uh, Vulcan County, for example, that their farmers are making sure that their seed packages are well covered for, for seed treatment for flea beetles. Mm-hmm. So it's there. And, but as a predictor, if, if there was a way, Harry, I think that to predict these things, we'd be doing it. Yeah. Right. Right. But um, too, weather throws too much of a wrench into it to make it predictable. Yeah. 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 So, and, you know, the one way that we have of monitoring for flea beetles in the spring is yellow sticky cards. Mm-hmm. And they are the worst things in the world to have to deal with. And and so they're just not, and, and they don't tell you anything. They tell no. you the population's there. Well, if you're scouting your canola, you're going to know the population. You'll there. see them already. Doesn't need right? it. You don't, yeah. Yes. You don't need a yellow sticky card to tell you that they're there. So, yeah. yeah. So that's one that is just one of those things that's something we have to deal with. If we're growing a mustard, we have to deal with this. Yeah. Even my alyssum in my garden. Damn things. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do you ever survey any, like, the, I guess there's there's the wheat bitch. Yeah. Okay. You want to talk about that one? Yeah. So um, wheat midge survey, we survey, um, we actually, this is one where we take something from the fields. We we take a, about, about three quarters of a liter of soil. We mm-hmm. take 17 one-inch cores from the field in a kind of horseshoe pattern and we do that again and this is another big survey we do it from the u.s border all the way up to um fort vermilion and Mm -hmm. and the ag and the applied research associations are key in getting those especially the fort vermilion one because that's a long way from brooks Um, oh yes yeah uh, so anyways, we have cooperators that uh, do this. So even some of the fieldmen actually take samples for me. And then they come to Brooks and this made my father so proud. I would spend a month washing dirt. You see, he couldn't, you know, you, I sent you to college and all you can do is wash dirt. But anyways, we, we washed the dirt the soil through mm-hmm. a series of sieves and right. uh, float off or all the floaties that come off. Uh, we look through the microscope at that refuse mm-hmm. that's left and we pick out the um, wheat midge cocoons. Okay. A- and then I actually, I, 
people use fancy words. They say dissect these cocoons. Well, basically mm-hmm. what I do is I take two really long doll making pins that I got at the dollar store and I put them in and I pull this thing apart to see if there is a parasitoid inside mm-hmm. the, the macroglennies. And yeah, so last year, I think I washed 292 soil wow, samples. That's most a years. lot of... Most, yeah, most years, uh, when we have farmers volunteer their fields, I didn't have a lot of volunteering last year. So when farmers volunteer fields for me to come and survey for them, mm-hmm. I can I have washed up to 340. That yeah, that's a, a lot of dirt. Yeah. yeah, it does. It take that Then it would take me about six weeks. I can do about 100... Uh, I do about a hundred a week. That's not um, bad. No, that's not bad. But then I go to my masseuse weekly for the next little while. Anyways, this is a great survey because we're going into the fields after combining. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, most of the time it's, it's most of the time in the fall, we have nice fall days and it, it's a glorious survey to do. And that information is all again, sent to Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. And they generate the map, which is actually up on our webpage right now. And you can see that there is a hot spot for wheat midge, sort of Camrose flagstaff. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. And uh, but otherwise, there is no there is no very little wheat midge pressure in the province. Possibly because when they were out flying and the wheat was in and when the wheat was flowering. Mm-hmm. It was the heat dome. And I think those poor little midges kind of just got fried. Dried up and blew away. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was exceedingly dry. It was exceedingly dry. And they... area did get more moisture than a lot of the surrounding areas, which is kind of different. And you, you... That area was already under the watch from... The year before mm-hmm. so okay. it's not surprising right but you know viking <laughs> viking last year uh producer there had the most midge uh won the prize i actually sent him a prize because he had the most number of, of midge in his field and the booby um, prize yeah well it was one of my calendars so i don't know if it was such a booby prize well i know it's not something uh, you want to win no, it wasn't something we wanted to win, but I wasn't surprised that it was there and the fact that that's in the region it showed up. But I, what I was surprised was anything survived through that, through that terrible heat. But there you go. Um, so, you know, the interesting thing about wheat midge cocoons, though, is that they can spend two years in the ground. So they um, can skip a year. They can skip a year. So should we get June moist, May and June moisture? Mm-hmm. We, we could, could have some midge issues. Problem. So I have some wheat midge pheromone traps that some agronomists kind of run so that mm-hmm. what this does is it, it draws the male midge to the trap. Male wheat midge come out of the ground about four days before the females and they mm-hmm. kind of go over to the canola and they hang out. So often the canola will be seeded in the field that was wheat the year before, right? Oh, so they'll right. hang out in the canola and they'll nectar and wait for the girls to show up. And then they'll fly into the wheat. Or the females will fly into the wheat and lay mm-hmm. their eggs. So the idea of the traps 
is it gives you that early warning. Oh, three days I have to go out and be in that field looking for Mitch because right. I had a lot here. And so that's basically all it's doing. Although I know Boyd Morey is doing some work trying to tie midge catches on the traps and do some trap mm -hmm. improvements and stuff. So there'll be some interesting work coming out of his lab with wheat midge. I'm talking so, to him later. Oh, there you go. Well, he's, he's my, one of my favorite entomologists. I have lots, but he's, he's yeah. one of my favorites because Boyd has got me through some tough times with not having a boss. So mm -hmm. sometimes I say I'm working for Boyd, but anyways, he, he gives me some direction of some of these surveys that I, I undertake. Mm -hmm. we, he works through it with me. So he's, it's really great to have that kind of collaboration with us in the U of A. Yeah, oh, really important, actually. Yeah. The, the last survey that I am totally responsible for is the Wheat Stem Softfly Survey. Right. This one is only done sort of south of Highway 9 mm -hmm. um, because that's sort of the Wheat, mid, or wheat Stem Softfly range. And although I have in years past had counted softfly damage, the southeast corner of uh, Camrose County, We've counted it in Beaver, no, not Beaver. So Highway 36, just about when you go into Beaver County. What is it? That's your county, isn't it? Flagstaff or is it Peter? Yeah, like, well, <clears throat> let's see, Highway 36. 36. Isn't it that, would be Flagstaff Painter. up into Beaver. Yeah, so it would be ours. Okay. Anyways, there, there was a field there with softfly cutting and a sharp-eyed agronomist pointed it out. And so we went and so we actually one year have surveyed in both Flagstaff and Painters mm -hmm. for wheat stem softfly. That population, because you guys tend to get a little bit of rain now and then, occasionally. normally, occasionally during the growing season, you're not known for wheat stem softfly populations causing you grief. Anybody who has seen a field damaged by softfly it, it makes you just want to cry because the wheat all lays down yeah it cuts the wheat off you know a couple inches off the ground and it just a big wind comes and your whole crop is laying on the ground and so it becomes next to impossible to pick up yeah. without probably a swath or, and there's areas in the province where we're looking at 70 60 percent cutting oh, that's uh, huge. Yeah, yeah it's huge it's yes. yeah it's huge and it also, it's feeding in the stem during the growing season does affect kernel size and kernel mm -hmm. weight. So, yeah. so here's the bad news story from the heat and drought is softline numbers are growing. Yeah. Um, populations are, are on the increase. And I would expect that maybe in 2022, we have to look at some fields further north than we normally do. Just do a quick look, see, uh, yeah. see if there's anything there. Yeah. So that's a busy and, summer. Yeah. Last year I went three quarters of the way around the earth. <laughs> Just for work. <laughs> Just for work. Um 18, 19,000 yeah, kilometers. Yes. That's yes. a lot of that's a lot of windshield time. It is, but you know it's fabulous. I have talking books and and it's 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 fabulous. So the last survey that we should talk about mm -hmm. is, is the grasshopper survey. Yes. And you can probably talk about how you do it. I have to, I have to give credit to the field men and, and I, I hope they don't think that I'm just 
you know, gushing all over them all the time. But we this year we had 2,200 lines of data. So that means 2,200 spots were, were mm-hmm. counted for grasshopper survey in this province. That's a lot. Every county reported. Mm-hmm. And we could not, Alberta agriculture in no way, shape or form could pull off this survey. Mm-hmm. Um, grasshopper survey has been done in this province forever. It is yeah. probably the longest running survey in Western Canada. And um, it's all because the fieldmen feel it's really important and they help me and they, and they do it. And I'm just so grateful for, the, for their support in this On one. On behalf of and the I, fieldmen, thank you. <laughs> um, and I have to say that that map went up yesterday. And oh, so good. people can take a look and see um, about, you know, grasshopper populations. And I would expect that you might be getting a copy of that map in your mailboxes. Okay. Your can you mailboxes tell soon. us where everybody could go for all these maps? Yeah, it's it's the Alberta Insect Pest Monitoring Network, and it's on the Alberta agriculture forestry and rural economic development and what i'll do harry is i'll send you the link because it's easier to link to it than try and Mm -hmm. google it but if you wanted to say see the grasshopper map if you just googled grasshopper map alberta it would come up so that and then and then you could backtrack and bookmark that page because that's where all the information that we've talked about today is posted and where it lives so well, they're very um, yeah. useful tools for the producers, agronomists, basically the entire industry. It's uh, it, as you say, it's not a replacement for being in the field and checking, but it's a great little early warning system for a lot of the common pests we have. Yeah, yeah, and you know, um, on there too, there's there's an email contact. It's called Bugs or Us. Mm-hmm. at gov.ab.ca and you know if you find stuff in the field that is not normal mm-hmm. then we would ask that you reach out to us and let us know and we would come and collect it or do whatever we have to do because there's a lot of people walking farmers fields doing scouting and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that and and that's how we're going to know when pollen beetle shows up in canola or or you know something something in wheat that we've never seen before invasive species coming yeah the next wave yes and the next thing we have to be concerned about so Mm -hmm. it's important to be able to harness some of these eyes and often people who are part of my network then know that they have the option to reach out to me and and we and We'll try to do whatever we can, whether we involve the plant health lab, whether I send it to Ottawa for ID, we, we will get answers for people because then I want to know too. Well, yeah. It's, yeah. I know some of the oddball things that have come through. There's the salt marsh caterpillars that are in sure. sometimes. You know, after, but it, once, you've found, once you've seen them once, then you can identify them. But it's, sure. it's the oddballs, the toe biters that show up. <laughs> Well, and yeah, and, and you know, sometimes because canola is so valuable, if an insect walks into a canola field right now, yeah. everybody's pushing panic buttons. And sometimes it's just a forest tent caterpillar coming out of the aspen tree around mm-hmm. the canola field. But yeah, yeah you know, I, I, I get it. 
there's a lot of money sitting in that field. So yeah, you want to know what's there. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Well, thanks. Is there any uh, final parting words of wisdom you want to give us? Well, anybody who wants to volunteer pea fields, anybody who's interested in signing up to run a birth armyworm trap, um, I would, I will set you up with what you need for sure. Reach out. I'll send you the protocols. Can you see if you want to even try it? It's important to realize though, that just because you put a birth armyworm trap up in your field, it's not necessarily reporting what's going on in mm -hmm. your field. Right. It may say that there's lots of, of birth to army worm around, but you don't find any in your field that the trap's in. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a trap half a mile down the road or a field a mile down the road or even within the same township could be the field that they're in. So, yeah, a trap doesn't necessarily mean that that's reporting on what's in no. your field. It's reporting on what's in the area. Yeah, so it's uh, it's more of more general than specific. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thank you very much, and until next time.